Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 444 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hi, Sarah. Hi, 444. That I know lucky. that seems momentous or something. You know what I just noticed is already a side tangent, but um, since we don't number all of our episodes, we have other types of episodes, voices and more the mom. Right? Um, we just passed 700 in the what? actual catalog. I know it was uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I was like 700 and we wow. don't number them that way. But every once in a while, it's nice to see that enormous number of episodes that are in the catalog, uh, you know, keep growing. That's a lot of hours we've spent doing this. Yeah, you know, it is. You'd have to take a really long road trip. Sometimes people are like, I took a road trip and binged your archives. It's like, (laughs) I think you have to go really, a really long way. Long one. Yes. Many, many road trips. Oh my gosh. Okay. What are we talking about today? Well, today we're going to hit kind of a juicy, chewy, meaty topic. We're talking about whether new parenthood is better or worse than it used to be. And I know that that is totally subjective. We can't prove it one way or the other. Right. Um, but let's try anyway, shall we? Let's just try to look at some ways of being like ways things are for new parents or parents with little kids. Even if you're, you know, a more experienced parent starting now, mm-hmm. like what's it like to have a baby now ish versus five to 10 to 15 years ago. And what are some ways it's gotten better and worse? And what are some of the best and worst things about it? Yeah, I'm really excited to dig in. I agree. It is a really meaty topic. And of course, it's kind of like a false binary. Like you said, we can't prove it. And probably the answer is neither or both. But I like that we're starting with this, like, some things are going to be better off today and some things maybe not so much. I had my last baby um, it almost 11 years ago. So I feel like I, I can speak to that part of it. And then we had so many newer moms chime in with, you know, what's, what's happening today. So I'm excited. Yeah. So I, you know, my youngest is almost 15. She'll be 15 in a few months. So my experience actually parenting a new kid is very old <laughs> at yeah. this point. Um, but I do have a step, a step grandbaby who I've gotten to spend some time with and, um, have gotten to kind of observe like what that's like for his mom and the conversations I've had with her. And I got a general feeling that things don't look that different on the surface really, but the experience seems to kind of feel different. And we started a thread in our Facebook group where we just asked people who would have experience with both, or maybe who don't have experience with both. Maybe they've only have experience of having kids more recently or only have experience with having kids, you know, five, 10 years ago or longer. 
um, to just kind of give their perception of what's better and what's worse. And that's even without really factoring in COVID. I know you can't not factor yeah. in COVID, but we're not talking about like, what was it like to have a baby four years ago? Right. <laughs> we're talking really about like now versus 10 years ago. So yep. it's a little bit of like some of that craziness in the middle there. We're sort of canceling. Yeah. For that. I think that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have loved seeing the pictures of this little baby that you've gotten to snuggle. And I am just admitting right here that I am in a stage where I am not around a lot of new moms or new babies or even young families. You know how that happens sometimes? Yeah. Like you go through a phase. I remember when I had really little kids where I never interacted with teenagers. Never. And, and it yeah. was when my kids were really little. And I, the reason I remember is when we got our first like teenage babysitter, I was like, I've, I don't even know what, how to talk to you. Like, and now <laughs> yeah. I'm swimming in teenagers and they're, yeah. you know, teenage friends and teenage issues. So, um, I'm looking forward to this kind of as probably as a little bit of like clueless about what the new moms are facing other than what I read and what I, you know, yeah. hear from our community. And I think we're seeing a lot. I mean, we see a lot of it play out in our Facebook community and our Instagram community too, where we're, you know, you're telling us like yeah. what it's like out there. And it's, but that is different. It's different than having that hands-on experience where you're seeing it happen or living with it. Yeah. Um, I will also say that one thing I think has come up in my mind a lot, and I'll just kind of lead us through some things that could either be better or worse. It's like flip sides of the same coin because yeah. the same thing that's great for somebody mm -hmm. is going to be worse for somebody else. And, or something that's great in certain ways. It's like, there's going to be a benefit, but there's also going to be a loss. And depending on which, like where you are in the receiving end, you might notice the benefit more than the loss or vice yes. versa. Yes. And I think that that um, also makes this kind of, I don't know, complicated, right? Yep. So let's start with the first one, which I think was overall like a theme that just got hit on again and again. And that is something that's better now is that moms have access to a lot more information and mm -hmm. they have a lot more ways of getting that information. And that might be information about um, safety. Mm -hmm. uh, that might be information about the best stuff to get for your baby. That might be information about like, you know, medical decisions or health moves, things like that, that it would have been harder to get before. Um, like play places, yeah. museums, like there's just information everywhere. And I think it's much more, I would say much more accessible than it was even 15 years ago and much, much, much more accessible than it was when my oldest kids were babies. Um, but you know, then there's like a flip side to that. And the way I put it is there's no plausible deniability anymore. Um, you can't, yeah. if you're a mom, you can't say you don't know something like you, there's no, there's no sort of like, I'm just doing this the best I can. This is how it feels. Anyway. Or nobody told me like or nobody told because me because yes. now you're somehow responsible for knowing everything because you can. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like 20 to 25 years ago, that information was out there. I was always a little bit alternative. I was always kind of looking for like, what's the, you know, what's the way of doing this? that's maybe a little more counterculture mm -hmm. or a little more like, outside of what I'm hearing in the parenting magazines or from my pediatrician or whatever. So the information was out there, but you really had to go looking for it. And there was not an expectation that you would know everything. Um, the information would like trickle down. So you'd get it from your pediatrician or family doctor or your big sister or your friends who had kids before you or your parents. Like you learned about things through a more limited number of sources. And I think that that meant you got limited information, but probably also felt a little bit more secure or done with the information that you had, you know? Yes. Because yes. it was, it seemed a little more finite almost. Um, I'm thinking about like the new mom group that I went to at the hospital after having my first baby. So this is 15, almost 16 years ago. Um, and there was a lot of sharing of resources and ideas and products in that group. It was still a finite group of like, 20 women and really only like five of them that I really became good friends with. Um, and what would happen is you'd hear about something, you'd see somebody's cool swaddle blanket or they right. they'd talk, compare notes on breast pumps. And then you'd kind of like go back to your home and your life and your budget and your work. And you'd have to try and figure it out and try trial yeah. and error. And I wonder, I don't know for sure, but I wonder if now 
it's a little harder to find that um, inflection point where like, okay, I've gathered, I've, I've asked a few friends, I've gathered some information. Now I'm just going to pick something and try it, whether it's um, like sleep training or um, a, a discipline strategy, because the information never stops coming at you and you can find counter arguments to literally everything, including right. scientific and medical advice. So how do you know when to just pick something and try it? And if you pick something and try it, I would imagine there's some second guessing that can happen because the information keeps coming. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think also when there's so many techniques, tactics, best practices, all of those things, it's like, um, it makes it harder to just decide what your style is and judge whether you're going to do something based on whether it fits your style or not, because it's like, well, maybe I can, maybe I can do it all. Maybe I can follow this guideline when it comes to feeding and I can follow this guideline when it comes to like responsive parenting. And I can follow this guideline when it comes to sleep training. I can follow all these guidelines, but sometimes they don't actually all go together. They don't actually add up to a, a life that you can live. Right. And I think that that it feels like, and again, this is me with my perspective as not a current young, like new mom, right? Um, It feels like it's a lot harder to sort of pick a lane and decide what your style is and then feel confident that you're not going to do it all. There is this feeling like you could actually make all the best choices. And I'm not Mm -hmm. sure you actually can. Yeah. I don't know that that's true. I agree. Yeah. Um, I do feel like that was one of the things that kind of came up was that feeling of exhaustion or overwhelm Yeah, from just so much information. Yeah. And, and like you said, probably feeling like you could be doing something else or better or like it's never, it never ends. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Um, can I say something on the positive side to this yeah. that I've just observed through our community? And, um, and that is the, the things I love that moms can get really accurate crowdsourced information about are like little things that make your life easier. Sometimes it might be a product. Sometimes it might be like, which playgrounds do not have that one kind of twisty slide that I know my (laughs) toddler's going to climb up to the top of. There's so much great, um, like specific, you, you never have to wonder anymore. Like, does that playground have a bathroom? I just remember so many times, like, little things like that could ruin an afternoon. Um, yeah. and so I really love accessibility of information, social sharing, moms helping each other out with things like things to do locally, um, tips for like not having to wait in line at the Santa event, you know, we're recording this in the height of the holiday season. So I do, as someone who really gets a lot of security out of that kind of information sharing, I, I appreciate that and could have would have loved even more of it when I was a newer mom. So just you just, could definitely like curate an experience yes. that would have been really hard to do even 10 years ago. It was possible then thinking about like going to Disney or something like that. Oh, yeah. There's just like, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and maybe, maybe people will correct me here, but it just seems like there's, you really can smooth the path, not to make it perfect because life is still going to happen but that you can really remove so many annoying unknowns by uh, this kind of information sharing that we have now. Yeah. Um, Sarah, when we were planning this episode, one thing you brought up that I think kind of fits here is, is because I think anytime there's a good, there's always the opposite of that, unfortunately. And I'm, I'm not trying to be the one like, Oh, (laughs) like picking out all the bad stuff in here, but I just think it's interesting. You've got something like, for example, being able to go to your internet mom friends, or maybe even skip over your internet mom friends and go right to AI and do your searching that way. Right. And have everything curated for you. The, the best, um, the best baby gadgets for this, the best, you know, like the 10 best, whatever's you want, you know, like somebody can tell you, you don't actually have to speak to anybody. You can find that information out readily online. Do you think that there's a potential of something that's lost there. I, I worry that maybe there is. And, um, I think we have, we're less, and I'll speak for us as midlife women as well. Cause I think we don't have little kids, but we're still vulnerable to this. We are less practiced at admitting we need help or that we don't know something. And the solution is now to go to our phone. So if I'm out somewhere and I see a woman with a really cute 
diaper bag or a nursing cover or in my stage of life, like a pair of shoes. I think the knee jerk reaction now is to just Google that thing instead of go up to that person and be like, oh my gosh, I have been looking for something exactly like that. Where did you get it? Now I'm I'm speaking in broad strokes, maybe not a hundred percent of the time, but I think about the community building that happens in new motherhood. And a lot of it is awkward conversations (laughs) with other moms you don't know, but who appear to be in the same pickle that you are, which is like they're juggling a double stroller and like their diaper bag. And so both in terms of reaching out to help somebody out and then asking for help yourself. Um, I do wonder if having access to everything we would ever need to know um, in our phones, in our pockets, if it's a, a little bit impeded that already vulnerable moment where you have to go make conversation with somebody. Yeah. And it's a muscle like the talking to people we don't know. I mean, you can see it already if you're in a store and you see people Google lensing stuff to price compare or whatever it is. Right. And it, I feel like it's one of those things where the less we do it, the more out of practice we get. And then the more awkward it is to be able to start those conversations or to be able to initiate that request or whatever it is. And I agree that could be a big, well, I believe that is a big downside that people are already talking about. Yeah. Um, but specific to moms, especially new moms. Yeah. Like not having any good reason to ask the question. It kind of reminds me of how when I started dating after divorce mm-hmm. as a woman that it was 40 at that point or almost 40, um, talking to my friends who were 10 years younger, they could not imagine just starting up a conversation with someone like, oh, out. like in a bar. Yeah. In a bar. They yeah. could not imagine it because they were like, well, no, that's what this app is for. <laughs> we can already shop on for men on the app and we can make sure they're interested in us before we show interest in them. And it was this very, like it added a layer of safety to an unsafe uh-huh. process. <laughs> and then of course, you know, you still eventually have to meet the person and, yeah. and things can go south at any point, but there, it did, it did add this layer or this feeling of like protection, protecting yourself yeah. against that awkwardness. And, um, that was 10 years. Like there wasn't that big of an age difference between yeah. those women and me. And I, yeah. th- I remember thinking that was very like a very marked difference between the way we would approach things. So I I'm, don't know. I, I wonder, this is like a, just a side question, but I wonder if social scientists have been able to somehow study or quantify the, the incidence rate of like stranger conversations, like in a park or yeah. at a bus stop. Like, I just wonder how I'm sure over, obviously over time, it has to have gotten less and less and less, but I almost wonder just in the last like 10 years, if it's less, cause I am remembering having small kids and still very much, um, yeah, striking up small talk conversations. And, and I hope that's still happening. It just feels like maybe it doesn't have to happen. And so, like you said, with the dating app, like if you don't have to put yourself out there and be vulnerable, it, why would you, why would you? Yeah. And then the more you don't, the more it doesn't occur to you. Yeah. 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 Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. 
They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, Sarah. So the next thing that got talked about a lot in this Facebook thread, and definitely this is something where I can see a huge difference from the last baby I had, and probably like in our jobs, I think we see this. um, We're front and center to the products and gadgets and services because we have a lot of advertisers who advertise on our show, advertise on our show. And um, primarily, overwhelmingly, I feel like this ended up in the parenting is better now because column. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's interesting and fun to unpack. So I know that, you know, two things that I've gotten to see in, in play in use lately um, was like a little spatula to apply baby butt cream. Nobody was thinking about that. Nobody offered that to me when <laughs> Uh, certainly not when like my oldest were born, but like, I don't remember that being around. No, Clara was I don't born. think it. And I'll go all the way up to Violet, which is, you know, 10, 11 years yeah. ago. I don't think, I remember we had a sponsor who had a spatula, a butt I remember spatula. that. You remember us talking about it? Yeah. Yes. But my youngest was out of diapers. Cause I remember, yeah. I think using my niece for the personal experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was, I have to tell you, I've changed a few diapers with this thing and it's pretty life changing. I mean, it's just a spatula. You could probably just buy one of those little specialists that yeah. we've talked about already, yeah. but like it keeps your nails from getting, you know, cream under them. And like, it's just, it's a lot neater. And I think, oh, how nice. What a nice little thing. Another thing that I was introduced to recently is, well, I know the nose Frida is new and a lot of people love the nose Frida, um, which is the thing where you use your own. Mm-hmm. I use that with my third power. kid. Yeah. So okay. to orient so that, that in around. time, 2013. Yes. Well, now they have this little tiny silicone nose picker. It looks like a teeny tiny little brush and you just kind of stick it up in the nose and kind of go around and around and around and the boogers come out on it. And I'm like, well, that's really neat because even a nose Frida is still requiring something to be sucked out of a child's nostril, which they might not be into or parents might not be into for a multitude of reasons. So these are examples of little things that solve a little problem. Moms also mentioned improve, uh, improved breast pump technology. Yeah. They got some major call-outs. I mean, I can see how that's a big yep. solution to a big issue. But big or small, what I think is really interesting is this idea that these solutions have made parenting better. And I, I don't know if I agree. I think it makes those instances better, right? Like it yeah. makes those it means it's easier to get boogers out of your baby's nose and it's easier to wipe cream on their butts and it's easier to press pump breast milk, which is huge. But like, does that actually make parenting better or does it just make it less annoying? I don't actually know how to, I don't actually know. And I, and I think it's interesting to consider the other side, which wasn't brought up as much, but a couple people did say they feel like they've made more random purchases. Mm -hmm. They've bought stuff because they thought they might need it to solve a problem. Um, and I think we've seen that moms are just relentlessly marketed to. Mm -hmm. And as the hosts of a mom podcast, we've also, um, declined many offers from advertisers who we felt like it was too much of a stretch. Like the product they were selling was solving a problem that was not worth the purchase that they were, you know, or, or that they were preying on, they were using fear-based tactics, which both you and I really like really, I guess, recoil against when marketers, uh, new parenthood can be a fearful time. It is often made worse 
by sensationalized headlines and yeah. predatory marketing tactics. So, yeah, we we do turn down sponsor money from companies that feel like they're um, taking advantage of that part of new parenthood and or yes. if their product just really we it's both. It. It's yeah. like either it's a product that might actually have value, but their marketing is so fear based. We mm-hmm. feel that it's predatory. We won't go there. But then there's also sometimes where I'm like, okay, this wasn't a real problem. This was you sitting around one day, probably like, you know, it's like a venture capitalist or something. Usually a dude. Sitting around, not- it's usually a dude sitting around with like his sister's kids and going like, whoa, someone should come up with a product to solve that. And you're like, that's, it's just not. It's not really a problem. This is not the solution. No one needs this. Yeah. And we've said that a lot. It's no like one Shark needs Tank this. parenting uh, <laughs> products. And and yes. actually, I shouldn't say that because there's probably some, maybe the Nosferita was a Shark Tank thing. So it's not Might inherent, have been. inherently yeah. wrong with Shark Tank, but it's that mentality. It is yes. the like, what's the next big thing? Um, there's that something- the world is, is exists to create products to solve little I major, feel like it's minor a analysis. little condescending and maybe even like, gendered or something like let's let me help you little lady with this (laughs) complicated baby rearing that you're doing Uh, it it does feel like there's a tinge of that in there too um yes and then I I'm as you're talking I'm thinking about this paired with the first one we talked about which is the incessant availability of and fire hose coming at you of information so when you combine information and then products that seem to address that information. Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of like two different branches on the same tree, this feeling like we can solve the pain points of parenting either by knowing more and changing our tactics or actually by buying something. So yeah, it's tricky. It's so interesting because you don't always, it doesn't always occur to you that something is annoying or a problem until someone tells you it's a problem. I'm thinking about putting butt cream on my kids when they were little mm-hmm. and probably having to go and wash, you know, um, zinc oxide mm-hmm. out from underneath my fingernails afterwards. And at no point did I think, man, if someone would just create a solution, I never thought that now that the solution exists, I'm like, wow, this is great. So it's like, again, there's no judgment. And it's, it's really not like, I think any of these products are bad or wrong or problematic. Well, some of them are, but most of them are just nice. They're just nice little products to have. But if you're asking, does it make the experience of motherhood better? I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) I gotta, I'm just going to have to say, I I feel like it's maybe a bit of a wash. Yeah, I think so. And I think it requires, um, it requires mindful consumption, which is we're, we're fighting such an uphill battle with that in our society anyway, right? That, like a, an exhausted, overwhelmed and unsure new parent is really not in a position to like fight capitalism. Do you know what I mean? Like right. yeah. it's it to, to consume these products mindfully just feels like an almost impossible task. So of course, yes, they have helped. Like you said, they've helped, um, make certain tasks easier. And I don't think any of us would want to go backward. I really think that booger picker sounds great. Um, but, and, and, but it's just a lot of both. And it's a lot. And I think that the other thing, the other fire hose nature of it is not that there's, it's not just that those products exist. It's that now they come, they get in front of you everywhere and in every platform. So Mm -hmm. if you're scrolling through Instagram and, a product pops up. They know what you want or what your friends want or ha- what your friends have bought or whatever. They know you and a product pops up. You don't have to even leave the app to buy it. Now you don't have to have money to buy it. Now you can use one of those, um, like a firm or Cl- karma or whatever Klarna, I think it's called, okay. you know, like you have like seven different ways to pay. They don't even require you to put a credit card in. Yeah. It's like buy now, pay later. And if you think if you look at life through the lens of everything is a problem to be solved, there will always be someone selling you a solution. Yeah. I think the last thing I want to say about this is how regional and kind of subculture cultural it has to be. Um, anytime I'm in big cities and observe 
parenting norms in New York or San Francisco or talk to people in those areas, it could not be more different than like suburban Texas or rural Montana, both of which we have contributors writing yeah. in those places. I'm, I love that we have a team that spans a lot of different regional areas. And then of course our community does. Um, so I think it, it's always so interesting to watch our community interact around ideas like this, because some people are saying like, well, everybody in my circles has this, that, and the other product. And someone will chime in and be like, I've literally never heard of that. So just, (laughs) just acknowledging that we're, we're talking like it's a sort of monolith culture. And there's, there's so many subcultures, a lot of them regional. um, Yes. And even the way we're, we're marketed to on the internet, Sarah, you and I have compared notes about how we will get different brands targeting me versus you with similar products, but they're different brands, which I just think is so interesting. Like who has decided that small town Michigan gets this brand mm-hmm. of whatever hair care and, you know, small town California, but near a major, um, mm-hmm. like near a major city gets that one. It's just, who knows, who knows how that's decided. And some marketing person at some higher, you know, market research level, I'm sure is responsible. Um, but yes, the experience of what we use and what we're influenced to use and what we're influenced to want is regional. I think it's becoming a little less regional mm-hmm. just because of the way we're all so connected now, yeah. but it's still this for sure. Yeah. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So this next one is, I feel like maybe the one where there was the most equal or even number of people putting this in the better or worse column, but also the same person often putting it in both columns. Uh So it's the connection with other moms through social media. That was said again and again to be a positive and, uh, and a negative and not necessarily the other mom's part, but just that social media is out there and exists. Like A lot of people would say in one, you know, the first part of the sentence, it's great to be so connected. It's great to have all these 
other moms to um, bounce ideas off of blah, 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 but also so much pressure or also, you know, keyboard critics or also like it's people really see in a way that I think sometimes it's harder to see about things like um, products. <laughs> it's really easy to see the ups and downs of yeah. that because we're all swimming in it. Did you get a sense when you were kind of looking at the conversation, were people talking about when they say like connection with lots of other moms on social media, was it a combination of moms they might know a little bit in real life, like friendlies and local acquaintances, or are we still talking about the kind of anonymous, um, like hive mind crowdsourcing type or influencers, or was it all of it? I think, well, it wasn't, I don't remember seeing it being super specified, like which they were talking about. I feel like we've come to a really interesting inflection point with social media where we almost can't tell the difference anymore between people we connected with on social media that we know in real life and people that we only connect with on social media and people we have parasocial relationships with. I just feel like it's kind of all gotten jumbled up. It's I hard. mean, except for when you don't, except for when you have to see some of those people at the PTA meeting. I mean, that is right. Where... I did not get the feeling that, that was. What okay. We're so we are really talking about, um, we're talking about the online fact that relationship. There's whole, right. Yeah. There's this whole, there's this whole world that we're living online where people feel free to say whatever they want. And I feel like that could all terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and that could be people that you might see in real life. I feel like I'm at the point now where it almost doesn't even matter. Like I, in a weird way, don't distinguish between those groups anymore. It's like, I see people in social media, they're all just social media people. And then I might, I don't treat people differently. If I think I'll see them in real life. I try, I try yeah. to treat everyone with a little bit of kid gloves because it all feels really fraught. Fraught. I, um, this is like a tangent, but it's relevant. Um, I was listening to an older episode of the girl next door podcast and they were talking, I think the title of the episode, I'll link to it. It's called online behavior for grownups. And they were just really like deep diving on courtesy and their, their own personal conduct policies for themselves online. And Erica was saying that she has started to basically, she kind of made a, a loose rule for herself that she does not follow on Instagram people in her real life town. In fact, she's chosen to just follow, you know, faraway people or influencers yeah. or whatever, because like knowing somebody's seeing people's comments and then seeing them out in the real world, or let's say you make a new friend. And this is where I'm thinking back to new motherhood. You make a new friend and you really hit it off and your babies are the same age and you online friend them. And now you know how they vote and you know yes. where they worship and you know what they think of the latest hot button issue. And I think it can potentially get in the way and continue to silo us even more than we are already siloed. And I had never thought about that. And I thought that was so smart of Erica, because I admit like a yeah. lot of my own social media hangups are in the the messy tumble of following and interacting with what I think of as truly Internet friends or Internet personalities Versus people I know in real life, friends, family, acquaintances, yeah. and it, it feels so complicated in my brain. And I hear you saying it's not complicated for you. So we're, we're all different. Oh, no, I'm not saying it's not complicated. <laughs> it's terribly complicated. I actually think it's more complicated the way I'm describing it, because what I'm saying is I can't now see people online as anything besides an online personality. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not that I also do know that I know these people in real life. If I could go back, if I could go back in time. 15 years because I got on Facebook right away, like right when it was made available to uh -huh. everybody besides college, you know, students. Yeah. Um, I would have kept Facebook only people I knew in real life. And I would have made Instagram only people I didn't know in real life. Part of the problem is a lot of people I now follow on Instagram have a completely different handle and I'm not sure who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, it makes it awkward when I'm posting stuff. And I feel like there are people who are only on Instagram kind of for the same sorts of updates you'd be on Facebook for, like, you know, pictures of your kids. And I really use it as a professional platform now, which I feel awkward about because I'm like, sorry, I know you didn't sign up for this, but this is what I'm doing here. Yeah. I, I think it's actually worse because I don't, I, I also follow a lot of people. I almost can't now. 
um, I don't actually know how to describe it. It's like if I'm on there and I see somebody post something, I don't treat it differently or look at it differently, whether I know them or not. I'm just like, I just kind of know that I know them. Or sometimes I wonder if I know them because I don't know them on that platform. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know who this person is here. And I, I don't, it's not that it's uncomplicated. It's actually worse. I feel like it makes everything feel either weirdly combat, uh, co- performative or combative or like I'm being performed too. I don't think it's any of it's good. No, I, I feel, yeah, whatever I said at the beginning of this segment, which is you said it's, it's all, all terrible. It's, it's all, all terrible. Terrible. Yes. Um, yeah, this is like, I have been listening and reading and thinking a lot about this lately and I don't know how to solve it for, for new parents. I'm kind of hoping there will be like a reaction generation away from a lot of this, but I don't know how we get out from under it now. I do. Yeah. I do just come back to something I talked about in the um, the availability of information potentially getting in the way of us creating organic community ties. And it's just something I think a lot about now. And I mean, community, I mean, off off of any kind of a screen, like literally the yeah. people uh, in your neighborhood, like Mr. Rogers singing. Yeah. I, d- I don't know how we get there, but I kind of hope that there's a next gen of new parents who not that they eschew technology altogether, but that they're like, no, that's not how we're doing pop-up baby events in person yeah. <laughs> and we're exchanging landlines. I don't know, like, or I, I don't know how it's going to work, but I, I hope that there's a course correction. It's gotten really jumbled up. I will say to like Erica's strategy of not following anybody she said she only followed people that she did know or didn't know. Didn't. didn't. So she didn't she know. basically like curated a list of like people who post inspiring stuff that she really likes. Right. So like articles. So she's following writers, creators. So she's um, following like the. Yes. OK, yes. so I get that. I think that the here's where it gets all very tricky. And this could probably be its own episode. Honestly, it gets very tricky when you have people who are both in your real world, yeah. but also sort of now seeing because now everyone's a content creator, I know. like everyone's an influencer. Yeah. So people, people that you might've friended 10 years ago because they were your actual friend. Now we all sort of see ourselves as little media empires, yeah. like yeah. many media empires. And it gets really, really tricky for people like you and me who actually make a living in the media and have done it for a long time because I'm like, well, I can't just leave all these platforms just because I don't want that to be the way people communicate anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I'm actually trying to run my like my little business here, yeah. which is sort of that creator business, but not everyone has to do that. Like not right. everyone has to be a creator. We don't all have to do that. Um, I don't have to give like medical opinions cause I'm not a doctor. You know, like I, there's, there's a, a weird place where we've all morphed. And that's what I mean when I say it's all the same to me now. It's, it's like, we've all sort of morphed into little, little mini platforms um, where we are mini broadcasters. Yeah. And that's not necessarily how social media was created to be, but really what did they expect? Yeah. As, yeah. as soon as money got involved and the dopamine got involved and all yeah. of that, mm-hmm. of course that's what it was going to become. And then on the other side, if you try to segregate it out and like, okay, I'll only use this platform to follow family and that platform to follow whatever you're still going to, because everyone feels so free to say whatever. Now you're still going to find out things you'd rather not know Yeah, yeah. about people in your real life. So it's like, I guess you just have to ghost the platforms if you want to avoid it. And maybe that I, maybe that'll happen. Yeah. Um, I'm curious because this really, we, we really took this in a, um, a certain direction. We did. When, <laughs> when you said people were kind of equally split of this is better and worse, like, could you summarize the positives for that? People are saying things are better now than they were 10 years ago. What, what were they saying? I, like if I could sum it up, it would be, again, it kind of gets tied up with the information. Uh-huh. Like I know so much more now. I have access to so much more information. I can connect with other moms who can tell me these things. Yeah. And well, then the and opposite also, side is pressure, criticism. Yeah. Uh, pressure yes. and criticism. Pressure and yeah. criticism. Um, I, I guess to, to try to find that, that angle, I'm thinking of people who are in a specific community of parenthood, like special needs parents, yeah. expat parents, um, moving yeah. to a new 
place and looking for people who share your same, who are vegan or share your faith tradition. Um, yeah, for sure. It is easy to tap into and find, um, support and validation for a specific thing you are going through. And I can see how that it has also brought, you know, issues that aren't talked about or are taboo into a place where people feel safe enough to share privately about something their child is going through mental health issues, health issues. So I guess I can very much see where that's a piece of it, man. That's, that's a hard, it's hard to take that and like not take all the other garbage that goes with it. But I, 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 I'm trying to, I, what I am trying to do is articulate. Those are some really important ways that internet community has helped parents full stop. Yes. And I would argue that that all existed 20 to 25 years ago because I was, I saw it. I was part of it. Right. It just hadn't gotten monetized and it, Mm. it was kind of anonymous. Mm -hmm. Often it was happening. You had to look a little harder for it, but not everybody was online yet. So you had to look harder for it, but you also had to be looking for it. You had to know it was out there. Um, Now something like that might be happening very publicly with people's real names attached and people getting yelled at like in a public forum about something really sensitive with their actual name. It's like there's, it has changed. I don't think for the better. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think that's the worst. And I'm just going to say as an old mom, as an old mom who's been around for a while now, I think it's, that is an overall lose. And I don't think like, I don't think it's just me. I think that the research is, is backing me yeah. on this, that it's a net loss. And there's probably other ways to use the technology that we have to connect people without this other yeah. negative side. I just, I'm not the architect of that. I don't know how to do that now. Well, I'm, I don't know how to. You don't have to convince me. I mean, I started by saying it's all terrible. It's all terrible. It's all terrible. It's all terrible. <laughs> and I say that as somebody who has also professionally benefited from the internet. And well, I say personally benefited from the internet rolled Instagram mindlessly for the first hour that I was awake this morning. We're not better yeah. than anybody. No, we're, we are. We're in it struggling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I would also just say one other thing. And and. And this did not we did not intend for this to be a social media teardown episode. That was not like I didn't even know how much we would have to say about this. I think it's easy to fall into the trap of saying, well, look what the good this has done. It's, it's allowed for this and this and this to happen. And to not go, if we rewound 20 years, let's say, there still would have been a path for us to access a lot of the good yeah. without mm-hmm. it going so off the rails. I agree. Um, internet technology absolutely helped me start a career that I could never have started 50 years ago. I would never have known how to do that. I did all of that. I would actually argue I was doing it better before social media. Yeah. It's become very noisy and it's complicated and confused things. And I don't know that it's opened the doors. I don't know if it's opened as many doors as people seem to think it has. I want somebody to think about this. I want us. I Are want we right? someone to be in charge <laughs> and fix uh, it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, let's end with something that I think is probably more of an overall positive. Okay. Um, Until with, we tear you know, it because down. I, Until I we can't help but be a bit of a spoiler. So I have to also show the other side, right? But um, one thing that came up again and again and again as an overall positive better, like it is now better than it was, was that work policies, like work life balance policies, family leave policies, breastfeeding policies, and just the availability of remote work is better. And I would say that I agree that it is better. Um, And nobody actually said this, but since I have to be the spoiler or like the devil's advocate, I'm just going to throw out, I do wonder if maybe the combination of all the things we've talked about plus this, so it's not just this, yeah. but it's this plus the social media tools and the information that you're, that's available mm-hmm. and all the products that can be bought and, and sold <laughs> and um, marketed. If now, if you pile on better work policies or better, you know, more flexibility, more flexible, yeah. if that makes it, if moms now feel 
like a bigger obligation. They should be able to juggle all the things. They should be able to start a side hustle. Um, they don't need childcare to have a job. Like all of those things. I just wonder if like, it's like, here's a gift, take this gift, but there's a big string attached. And I don't know. I don't know. No one said that. It was just me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Future casting and wondering if there's like a silent, if there's like a silent pressure that's like building under the surface. Yeah. I, this is something I'm really interested in and don't have a lot of fully formed opinions on. So I don't know either, but I, I think so much research is currently being done post COVID that it will be really interesting to see how workplace culture continues to evolve and how it impacts families and mothers. I agree that it's like too new and not that these things weren't happening pre COVID, but COVID so accelerated the, the efficiencies and the technologies and the processes around remote work that it's like, it almost like it's catapulted workplace issues, like yeah, 25 years ahead. And then now everyone's scrambling to figure out like, who does this benefit? Who does it not benefit? Where are we? What do we want? Um, but yeah, I'm thinking about like, if your kid is sick, do you have the same permission to take a personal day yourself or take a day off a sick day or whatever, like it's structured in your company, or is the implication that you will just put on never ending episodes of bluey and keep doing your job because you don't actually, your your ability to go into the office isn't impacted by having a two-year-old with a fever at home. And is that better for working moms because they're not stigmatized for taking a personal day for a sick kid? Or is it worse because now they can never take a personal, I, like, I yeah, don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't think in this culture, I can't speak for the whole wide world, but I'm just going to speak can't. for our United States culture. <laughs> I can speak for the entire United oh, States though. Oh, good. <laughs> I don't think we're very good at seeing unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. We tend to see something, we think it's a good idea. And then we're like full steam ahead. Yes. Let's change everything for this. And I just think it's important to remember that every time something benefits one set of people, it will almost by design or just by accident, not benefit or adversely affect another group. Um, or, or something might be great for these reasons right now, but 15 years down the road, we're going to see X, Y, and Z, uh, results that took a while to get here. And I mean, you can go back through time and like every big, every big advancement that has happened, um, starting, you know, starting in the 20th century, if we're just going to go back like to the early 1900s with household technology making a mom's job easier. But guess what? Now there's more stuff to take care of. Mm -hmm. Now the bar has been raised Mm -hmm. now, like now that you can take care of your stuff easier, let's sell you more stuff. And now let's sell you more things to take care of your stuff. So we don't always, we're not always great at slowing down Yeah, yeah, and seeing that. And yeah, I think it's, I love that there are, well, first of all, family leave, that's been like a long time coming. Amazing. Like that. I'm so glad that that has become, I didn't realize that that was something that was becoming more and more common mm-hmm. paid leave, but I was seeing that come up again and again um, in the Facebook thread and um, remote work and breastfeeding policy. All that's amazing. And also I wonder what that might, like what ripple effect that might've had on maybe invisible jobs that aren't the kind of corporate jobs where there's any leave at all really given or, um, yeah, it's just, we just don't, we don't always hear from the people it's affecting either. And I think like that it's impacting negatively either. And I think that's, that's one of the tricky parts about it. Yeah. But you know, again, I would say overall, this is a win. Yay for paid family leave and yay for better breastfeeding policy. And you know, I'm all about the remote work. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And, um, this is hard. This episode is hard. This is hard. We thought this was going to be fun and it turned out everything is terrible. I think maybe the point is if we had to like look back when I was having my first child 26 years ago, Jacob was a baby. My elders at that time would have said, you know, things are so different now. We didn't have this when you were little. No, you know, uh, I didn't know that, but like it's tale as old as time. Things change. And they change in roughly, you know, 
15 to 25 year cycles, probably faster. I think it's changing faster and faster. I think it is too. But things change and there's always a trade-off. Um, and I just think it's always good to be looking. I always just think it's be, it's good to be critical and yeah. be thinking about all of it. Maybe we can't even do anything about it. No, but it's just good to know like where we kind of like the forces at play all around us that are making our lives more or less livable. Yeah. I just think it's good to be aware that that's happening. Cause then maybe we can opt out in our own subversive little family ways, or I don't know, make things better for us and, and the people around us, even if everything looks like a big dumpster fire. Yeah. And I mean, I think I have benefited my entire, I mean, I've benefited from you, Megan, and other writer creators who are slightly ahead of me in parenting for almost my entire motherhood experience. I started reading blogs and bloggers when I had like a a toddler and a baby. I think before that I really did. I I, I just read books and went to mommy groups for the first like two years. But after like two years was when I started looking at content that showed me a critical lens of parenting culture and that I would not change. I would not go back and do anything differently. So I guess if, if our listeners, that is a good thing about the age we live in is you have the ability to think critically about what seems normal in your immediate circles, whether it's your online circles of peers who are your age or whether your your actual village where you live, um, that I've never regretted broadening my understanding of why we're doing things the way we're doing them, why everyone seems to think this is a good idea or seems to think this is normal. Um, you can always decide, yes, I do think this is a good idea. And I do like the norm that my subculture has created and I'm all in. You can always decide that, but I've never regretted looking both behind, like looking back, looking forward, Mm -hmm. looking around at how different types of people are doing things. It's never been a bad thing for me. No. And I also think sometimes the acceptable choice is to say, there's something I don't like about this, but I don't have the wherewithal right now (laughs) to do anything different. Like I'm like, we were talking about you you and I are not immune to the issues inherent in social media or information, you know, like information technology, any of that stuff. Um, So just because we're aware doesn't mean we always have the ability in that moment to be like, I'm opting out. I'm not going to do this or that. It's nice sometimes when you can summon that up. And sometimes it's just, it's not your fight to yeah. fight or it's not the, it's not the moment for you. Or you just have to make that, you just have to accept the trade-off because there won't ever not be. Yeah. Not, yeah. That was too double. Yeah. That was a purposeful double negative, but there just won't, there won't ever not be some trade-off. Yep. And I think it's, um, it is the mature and enlightened thing to be able to say like, multiple things are true. This can be both better and worse for modern parents. And the inherent contradictions there are not always comfortable. It's not always comfortable to admit because we want to be like, this is the way and no, this is the way or things were better than or things were worse than. But I think the thesis of this episode is like, yes, yes. And like (laughs) things are better and worse. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that. It's not exactly the most uplifting way to leave the episode, but I think this was interesting. And, and, um, I would be very curious what people think after listening to this, especially if you maybe are a newer mom who sees it totally differently than us. And I, I welcome that, um, feedback or someone who's had, maybe your family is still relatively young, but you've kind of been on both sides of it. Like maybe someone who had a, a Clara as their oldest yeah, and is like, you know, now wrapping up with a two-year-old or something. What does that look like? Cause that, you know, that's really where things were starting to get shook up, Mm -hmm. um, 10, 15 years ago. It just, it's just accelerating all the time. Well, you can email us everybody. Hello at the mom hour.com. Uh, Megan, I believe folks won't hear from us until after the Christmas holiday. So if you celebrate Christmas, um, wishing you a Merry Christmas, we will be back Tuesday, the 26th with another all new episode. And we will talk to you then. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. 
And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at the mom hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. The mom hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of the Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour.